But I did have one one customer told me I should never cook again. Uh oh. So but she was my but she was my um what is that? She was that fire in me. Okay, she was your learn. motivation. She was my motivation. She was my fire. She was your drive. Yes. Okay. And I still remember her. So I, I thank you for her for uh, <laughs> letting me be letting letting her be the drive of this uh, this whole Hello everyone, this is Turuturu, the Filipino restaurant podcast, where each week we profile restaurants or food trucks serving delicious Filipino cuisine. This is your host, Jean Carangal, avid home cook and event promoter for the Adobo Throwdown Cooking Competition and Food Expo. So we are on location here at Cha Tea House with owner-operator S.P. Robertson. So, SB, why don't you tell us a little about yourself and your restaurant? Um, I'm SB Robertson, and I've been in the business for for a while now. Um, but Chaati House is actually more of a, a thought than than a, an actual bowl. And um, this thought was actually from my grandma's, and I've never liked tea the way she made it. <laughs> so I wanted to make because um, I was kind of I was kind of forced to do drink tea all the time. So I wanted to create something that Pete, that I would love to, to share with everybody. Okay. And that's what your tea house came from. Okay. So I only know two kinds of tea, hot and cold. <laughs> yes. So, so t- can you tell us a little bit about like the variety of teas? So I have over 80 collections of tea. And then I have a blender here, woman owned um, in Texas. And I found a beautiful chai tea house, uh, chai. Our recipe, and again, uh, she's from India, but um, she's an uh, American citizen here in New Jersey. And so, when I found these beautiful arrangement of teas, I said, "These are the ones I'm gonna, I'm gonna work, people I'm gonna work with." Because a tea, um, commercial tea, is so huge, and I'm so lucky to find what I have. Um, aside from the teas that I have, but I'm trying to get away from that question but the tea that I have also I, I collect Chinese tea and Japanese tea and then the higher end of the Japanese tea which is crazy expensive right now um what was that question again? no I was just good I was asking about all of the different types of teas okay so the different types of tea of course you have the, the herbal tea which is called Tassan uh Robos. those are all herbal teas and then regular we have black teas and your um white teas which is um another type of herbal but it's it's an actual tea leaf but less caffeine um and also of course your green tea and we have the popular sencha from japan and then now we also offer uh, chai okay and then so how long have you been okay so first of all where are you located i'm located in uh, on thousand oaks uh, near section of thousand oaks and jones Ball. Okay, so for those who are, this is in San Antonio, for those who are not familiar with San Antonio, what part of San Antonio is this? We are more north central on 281, or inside 281. And then can you tell us what hours are you open? So I cater every day. So uh, the tea houses are mainly open Tuesday through Friday from 12 to 4. And um, I do have lunches to, to, um, to serve. Uh, light lunch and also some pastries that we're working on. We have the pandisal, um, mocha rolls, very popular with the, within the Filipinos, 
And for those who are not familiar, so pandesal is a traditional Filipino sweet rolls. Um, so that's that's what I miss most in the mm. Philippines. And so when I thought of tea, I had to have my pandesal. So it took me about six months to get this recipe the way I like it, the, the way I remember it in the Philippines, and I'm very happy with it. So for for me growing up. Pandesal and coffee was our version of yeah. a continental breakfast. Correct. That's like, for us, it's like eating light. <laughs> yes, uh, coffee is definitely one of the, the things we were drinking. I was always, I was a singer when I was in the Philippines and uh, I wasn't popular. Anyway. I was, I sang a lot in church. So my grandmother always made me drink uh, ginger tea. Okay. Like real ginger with the tea and I have to finish it. So, but um, that's what I drank with my with my fun song every time. <laughs> now I'm intrigued by your singing. So you, you sang in the Philippines? That was in the Philippines and okay. no longer. <laughs> okay, so what did you sing? Um, a lot of church, a lot of, uh, you know, I'm, I was a soprano. Oh. I, uh, I, I, honestly, I, I sang by myself at, at church. Um, okay. I, I lived in um, Cobal, Kansas City. There is a church called, I'm not sure if it's called that, Immaculate Conception. And I went to church in the back. I mean, went to school in the back of that. Okay. So what it's called ICBS, but no longer, I think. Okay. So so let's let's talk more about that. Um, so you so where so you said you grew up. Were you born in the Philippines? Yes, born and raised in the Philippines. I got here when I was twelve years old. Okay. And I was in Cobal, Quezon City. Okay. That's where I grew up. From. And then so you, you migrated here when you were you were twelve. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then. You went to what grade? I was two years um, uh, above everybody had, else. Yep. Not not above, but I was like I was older two years than everybody else. So I came here and I was I, they put me in fourth grade, equivalent from the Philippines. I was already I just finished my third, so I came here fourth, but I was already twelve. But um, which was great for me, you know. Everything mm -hmm. I was the tallest person in class until I hit you know middle school. Okay. But um, but yeah, I you know I have to say I played a lot in in the Philippines. My mom, they said I wasn't ready for school. Okay. So what was the biggest difference between uh, going to school in, in the Philippines to getting here and going to grade school? Wow. Um, very laid back when I came. This was back in the eighties when I got here. I think eighty three, eighty four, and very laid back. But the people around me. I grew up in Virginia Beach. Um, lots of Filipinos there, especially now, but they were- Virginia Beach in, is in-, in Virginia, uh, in, uh, Virginia, Virginia Beach, Virginia. Okay. Uh, Maybe town. Um, so moved, moved there and they were awesome. You know, I actually did not speak to anyone for about a year. There's three, I have two other siblings, it's three of us. And I was always embarrassed to talk because, you know, I had the accent. And back in the Philippines, when I went to school there, they made us speak English all the time. It was, it was a private school. So... Where did you go in the Philippines? Immaculate Conception. Okay. Paris school. And so that's where I learned a lot of my English, where I already knew how to speak English when, mm -hmm. when I got here. Um, but the accent was, um, was a big deal for me. So I didn't speak to anyone until the following year. And they were like, where's your accent? <laughs> the whole time, and I said, I got rid of it. <laughs> Oh, okay. So you, there were no, like, uh, 
was there culture shock for you? Everything that I thought that would be here, it, it was exactly how I thought it would be. Oh. So it wasn't culture shock because I hate to say, it, but we were kind of brought up to be like, you're going to be living in the United States. You're not going to live in the Philippines. Okay. You know. So, to you, you find it relatively easy to assimilate. Yeah, I did. And of course, we had a lot more chores in the Philippines. Tons of chores here. You know, it's very everything that I watched in the in the movies. That's exactly how we lived. I mean, nothing fancy or anything, but it was just very laid back. You we went to school. You know. Make good grades. I didn't do. Too, I wasn't uh, very uh, into education too much. I love going out. I love hanging out with friends um, and then meeting people, and that's just the way I was. And uh, school was secondary for me, so it was very social. Okay, I enjoyed it though. And, and so you were in Virginia Beach, and did you finish high school there? I finished high school there. I went through nursing school, finished that. I was an LVN, and then. I was gonna stay, and then um, I decided to move here to here last week. My parents were was already here. Okay. Uh, my sister and I lived, still lived in the Virginia Beach. She was finishing up her school, so we couldn't really afford each other. So I said, you know, let's just go. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just gonna go back to San not back, but go to San Antonio and start there. Okay. So um, they asked me to go back to school again. You know, nursing you have to be certified in each state I just decided not to do that okay <laughs> because it wasn't for it really wasn't for me um, our families are not nurses they're more like engineers or business I guess business owners I have a few okay um, but yeah and then so you decided not to go to nursing school so what did you do after then you know I just try to learn what I, I just went to school, I mean to school, I just went to work okay. for retail and things like that. And then I needed more money and I said, you know what, I'm, I'm young, let me just go ahead and go and um, get into the restaurant business because I, I loved it. Mm. So Formosa Garden was my first one. I was there for 12 years. <laughs> okay, so Formosa Garden is... Is that the Chinese? Okay. Chinese restaurant? And then uh, what did you do there? I started as a hostess. Uh, six months later, I was a bar manager. And then a year, like another six months later, I was a manager. And okay. been manager there since I was, it was 12 years later. 12 years. Okay. 12 years is a long time for it's a, a restaurant. Time, it's like yeah. a lifetime for it a was. restaurant. Yeah. I loved it though. Mm -hmm. I was trying to gear it to get into more catering. At that time, you know, they, we were busy. We would see a lot of people. Um, I think we were the best or the main Chinese restaurants at that time for a few years, several years, and then Pei Wei, Pei Wei, okay, came in and just took that. Oh. Well, <laughs> took that they're title. like yeah, but they're, they're like a franchise. Well, I'm sorry. Is that what the big one? I forgot what it's called. The big, the bigger restaurant. Is it Pei Wei? Pei Wei is is uh, I think a, a chain restaurant, mm -hmm. and then. P.F. Chang's, I'm sorry. P.F. Chang's, okay. P. When P.F. Chang's came, that's when a lot of our uh, customers just kind of divided to half. Oh, So okay. it just started to, and then more and more Asian started creating their own thing, so. Okay. But yeah, um, but yeah, I was there for 12 years, and then I had moved to 
they had opened another restaurant. I, I was there and then decided to have a family. And at that time, um, Tom's side was approaching me to manage their restaurant. And so I, I went there after I had my baby. And yes. And then um, I was there for about two and a half years. Okay. Tongs tie. Is, is that on Austin, Austin Highway? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I've driven by it mm-hmm. and I've always wanted to go, except that they have parking for like four cars. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I'll make it. Yeah. yeah. They got, I mean, I mean, they, they weren't doing well when I first got there. I was sweeping every, I was doing everything. But I started seeing, you know, they were revi- um, revitalizing Austin Highway. And um, us, you know, everybody loved their food. I was, mm-hmm. I was their customer. Okay. Um, but they needed something. And so they asked me to come up with that something. So I just, um, what I learned for the last 12 years is, you know, have a sushi bar. They were going for their bubble tea, and they were the first one here in San Antonio. So we elevated their their bubble tea, elevated service, elevated their wine service, everything, and it took off. Okay. And then, so you were there for two and a half years, and, and, and what did you do after that? Uh, right after that, I opened my own because I said, you know what, I could do this. Okay. We made. They were at the time. I would hate to say, but they were making when I left. They made 1.5 million, and I said, "I'm I want 1.5 million for myself." There you go, oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, it takes. You want money. some of that? Yeah. So um, I left and opened my own um, with three other partners. I never cooked before. I've always just managed restaurants. That is really brave. So you've never cooked before, never and then you decided to. So did you do all the cooking? At, at, no. Um, okay. Six months later, yes. Okay. So, my I had partners. We had um, we had a, a cook. He was a, a part owner, and then the other person was a server. And I have always managed restaurants. That's all. So I was a GM, getting clients in. That was my I do a lot of marketing, advertising, talking to people. But it didn't work out. Partnership usually doesn't work out. Um, six months later, I started cooking, and but of course they left a lot earlier. But at that time, I made myself uh, teach teach myself to learn how to cook. The, the correct technique, how to cook in the walk. I mean, my arms would show you it was, okay. it was a battlefield back there. Okay. Just a lot of oil flying everywhere. Every, <laughs> I guess they were flying everybody. It was just, it, it, I, I learned. And how I learned how to cook is I read a lot of books and, um, and just made the same dish over and over and over until I get it right. Okay. Did So was there a... And then the, the very influential book? No. Okay, so you, just a collection of books. It's a collection of books of just like how to make things. And um, I didn't stick to just Asian. I learned, I learned my technique, how to make the sauces, how to make that. But I wanted to learn more. Okay. I was very interested in, in um, why is this, you know, acid could do this? How could sugar could do and, you know, A lot of things that I wanted to learn. Aside in plating was a big deal for me okay. also at that time because that was like a big deal back then, huge. Um, but yeah, I uh, I wanted to stay within a traditional way of cooking. At the same time, I wanted to look beautiful. Okay. So was there a lot of French influence? Did you yes. study yes, French techniques with the, with the mother sauces? And the, yes. Okay. Yeah. 
that was the main book that I was doing. Yeah, I was, okay. uh, I was, uh, is it the French Laundry? I still have it. Um, and, um, but yeah, I, I just learned as I go and, um, I just, things that I've learned how to cook myself and then created other dishes that, and then when people tell me this is really good, this is really good. So I made sure the next time they come in, it's even better, it's even better. So I perfected my, my, um, my recipe of each time. Okay. So, but I did have one one customer told me I should never cook again. Uh oh. So but she it? was my, but she was my, um, what is that? She was that fire in me. Okay. She was your motivation. She was my motivation. She was my fire. She was your drive. Yeah. Okay. And I still remember her. So I, I thank you for her for uh, <laughs> letting me, be, letting letting her be the drive of this um, this whole experience. Okay. So you, it took you six months to get get. Up, up, up and running mm-hmm. as the chef, as the chef. and then would, so so you were cooking. So who was doing the oh, recipe? Oh, employees. Okay. And then my mom. Um, my my I had young kids at the time, like two or three years old. Um, my husband would help out, but the cooking was me. Okay. I was mainly doing all the cook. I have prep people do it, cashiers, and then servers. And what was the what, what was the the menu? The menu is a, um, a combination of, it, the funny thing, it didn't have any Filipino in it. Okay. And I have a reason for that. Um, it was Thai, Vietnamese. It, it, was, it was initially created by the other chef that I had, so I didn't want to change everything because that's what I learned. Okay. So that, I stuck to that. Vietnamese, Chinese, um, not, not Japanese, but just the main, a lot of popular dishes that going on. Okay, and then you said you had a reason for not doing Filipino. Yes. Poor my mom's like, why don't you cook Filipino food? I'm very intimidated. I'm very intimidated because everybody has their own way of cooking Filipino food. So I don't think, I don't feel that I'm good enough at, at that. So I try not to cook a lot of Filipino food. But if I know I could cook that, I could cook that. Okay. So you, you found it intimidating because of all the... Well, you know, home cooking is different yeah. from, from a commercial cooking. Mm-hmm. And and you have Filipinos have their own way of eating, like uh, the panisol. Yeah, it tastes good, but it doesn't taste like my grandma. And mm-hmm. I've I've been said that. Yeah. And like and so of course it doesn't taste like grandma, mm-hmm. how she makes it because it's a it's a feeling that you have when you right. when you eat at someone's home, um, your home your own home, you know you feel relaxed. You feel oh my gosh everything is it just it tastes perfect the way I like it because that's how you were brought up. Mm-hmm. That's you know that's how my grandma was. Yeah. You know. uh, same same here because a lot of recipes were like passed down right. by generation and so that kind of conditions you to only like what you're familiar with familiar with yeah so that is a that is a legitimate concern yeah. and that is one of the biggest challenges yeah. right yeah. uh with having a filipino restaurant is mm-hmm. that criticism that's like well my mom's the better yeah right so we and we have. I, I don't want to be the best, but I like to just cook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, okay. So going back to your restaurant, so you cooked uh, uh, Vietnamese and Thai, but mm-hmm. everything but Filipino. And then, so what? What happened? After what happened that, there? With the, with that restaurant. Um. Well, oh, no, what was that restaurant called? Rice. Right. Okay. It was rice. Okay. So um, six months later, you know, when I opened, it was two thousand seven. 2008 it just went oh yeah that's when okay and it was tough 
but I finished my lease and I added another six, another year. And um, when I finally, I was being brought two ways. And um, because I, at that time, on my fifth year, I opened another restaurant in New Brunswick. Okay. So that was called Fubaco. And because it was a house that I moved into. And it was between two um, Schlitter bonds. Okay. Kuboko? Kuboko. Okay. So when I went there, I didn't really, I didn't have, uh, my, my thought was, I'm going to build there. So basically, it was more cafe. I didn't really do a lot of cooking. Okay. Just not like Asian cooking like that. So a lot more sandwiches, rolls, and um, I could do more drinks and things. But um, I just, it just didn't take off. It just didn't take off uh, in New Broncos. Uh, it took me about a, two years to just get out of there. And so I stopped restaurants okay. completely okay and um, took I just took a break and um, Japanese tea garden found me because you know I have a very good uh, resume because I don't really move around a lot um, so I wanted to start learning about catering so I went to uh, a company I had about five or six companies that wanted me to come in but I said I'm gonna go to this catering company that's what I want to get into but she wouldn't hire me as a, as a caterer. She, not as a cook. I wanted to learn the, the business, meaning um, how to get catering, how to get the sales, how to, how to do this. So, but she showed me, at that time, she was the vendor for Japanese Tea Garden. So she showed me Japanese Tea Garden without saying it, and I fell in love. So I was a GM there um, for two years, almost three years. And then um, within, I was there for about seven, eight months. They couldn't keep their events coordinator. So I raised my hand and I said, you know what, I could do, I could do that. Okay. So she's like, are you sure? Are you sure you could do that? I said, yeah, I could do it. But what about my other job? I could do both. Well, so I did. And I, I, I made sure that she knew that, you know, I, she is phenomenal. Older woman, learned so much from her. I just heard she just uh, retired. She's a big name here in San Antonio, um, but I had to I had to I had to leave because okay. it was just too much. It was a yep. lot of work, and um, I stepped back again and um, went to I had another. I didn't work for about two weeks, and I said, you know what, I need to I need to go back to work. Sent out my resume. Everybody, another six people wanted me, so I decided to go with Salada. Salada was new, and so I moved. Uh, I went to Salada, and and they started showing me the things that they do. I've never worked with corporate uh, restaurants, and I said, "Wow, this is easy." So, the uh, Salada is what type of restaurant? Uh, just salads. Just salad, okay. Mm -hmm. Salads is what I, I was there for maybe five months, and I decided to just leave and. But they were calling me still. Not Salada, but the clients of Salada was calling me. Okay. Pharmaceutical reps. And so I said, I no longer work at Salada. After the third call, and I said, oh my gosh, okay. Let me talk to my friend. Talk to my friend, she has a restaurant. I said, I need to do this. I need to do this. You need to help me out. I need to sell salad. It's not going to bother you. I'm just going to be in this little corner. Hmm. And I'll shop every day. Um, I just, I just need a little space. Can I pay you for that? She said, no, no, go ahead and do it. I'll help you. So she bought a lot of my stuff that I needed. 
and um, I was in her way. <laughs> oh, I was in her way, so uh, maybe it took about four months. So she said, "Esby, I think uh, you're kind of in our way." And I said, "Because okay. I was getting bigger and bigger," and I said, "Okay, well, let me go ahead and start looking for another spot." So I did that. Um, I was the Alamo Kitchens. I rented there and um, other another restaurant. Um, I would. I don't think they want me to say, but I was there for a few months and I was eating salad, grilled chicken and salads. Okay. For two, for about uh, a year. Okay. A year, almost a year. And your clientele were primarily pharmaceutical medical offices. Okay. So the medical offices, that's really more for their for their employees. Or, yes. Okay. And then I know the pharmaceutical reps usually they buy food for like their doctors, right? Yeah. So I, we used to own a pediatric clinic, so we would get pharmaceutical reps all mm -hmm. the time all that would bring in food. Mm -hmm. And that's a, like a big thing a business. Uh, I, a big, I, I know it's a, it's a great source of revenue from uh, for restaurants. Um, so you were doing primarily salads, grilled chicken, you said? That's it, grilled okay. chicken and crab salad, and, and then I threw in my pancit. Oh, okay, there so, you go. So to compete with, um, to compete with Salada, because Salada had beautiful packaging, they had the tea going on, and I was like, okay, how can I make this, how can I make me different? So I threw in my ponce. Okay. And they started asking for me. So what kind of, what, what kind of ponce? Just, um, uh, I, I make it gluten-free. Okay. And veg vegetables. Okay. And then did you, what, uh, what stock did you use for the, like a mushroom, what? mushroom okay. sauce. Okay, so you didn't use chicken stock? No. Okay, so this is purely vegetarian. All vegetarian. Okay, that is very rare. Yeah. <laughs> Typically, pancit is made with chicken stock. Mm -hmm. Chicken stock. And yeah, so yeah. you have to, if you want vegetarian, mm -hmm. you really yeah, you really have to specify, you have to order ahead of time, because yeah. that, that, that's, that's very unique. Okay, so let's go through, yeah, let's talk more, more about your menu. Now, I know you still talk about your, on your catering business, and which evolved, right? Mm -hmm. So you went, you, did you expand your menu on the um, catering? For, um, I mean, yeah, it did expand. Uh, that's when I got this kitchen, because I couldn't cook a lot over there. So I started showing them, like, you know, I could make lasagna, I could make this. Um, and I started showing my orange chicken and the things I used to cook back then. So people, it got stuck, but I, I would create a full meal. Like they would have the egg rolls, which is, I use Shanghai egg rolls. Mm. They would have the pancit and they would have orange chicken. I had this client that just, that's all she ordered for the last okay. five years. Um, I've been in business. So that's all she ordered. And till this day, she still orders it. And then she okay. just finally pays it by adobo. She's like, that's it, I'm changing to adobo. <laughs> Okay, so so let's talk about your let's talk about your your menu the the menu that you offer now, um, and I want to do this in three phases: your appetizers, entrees, and then the, whatever desserts that you may have. So, what appetizers do you offer? Well, um, again, I'm no longer cooking um, for the tea house. Okay, I really want her to just focus on that. So, what we are getting to do now, everything handmade, dumplings. Dumplings are, are pretty big. You okay. get about 10 pieces of that pork. She used to have shrimp in it, but people don't like the shrimp with it. Okay. Um, we make fresh bao, also Chinese way. Uh, fresh noodles, and then um, what else you do? The 
She makes this like a like an empanada, like a big size of empanada with just with just noodles and pork in it, a little bit of an egg, and it looks like a huge empanada. You just eat it that way. When you taste it, you don't even need any sauce or anything. Okay. So it's very Chinese, very authentic Chinese. Okay. Is what we offer for lunch. Okay. Uh, so what about your uh, your entrees? The entrees, same thing. It's kind of pretty similar. Um, she does um, the sour soup with dumplings in it, and again the pan-fried dumpling, um, and then zhajiang noodles, which is like minced pork with cold noodles, and you just kind of um, put some fresh vegetables to that and just, and just kind of eat it that way. Okay. And I am starting uh, my own cooking. So before I used to cook here every day, so I would only have like one entree um, for that day, and whatever it is, that's what they're gonna get. Okay. So I will be creating my own Maori to Mondays, and I'm going to be cooking Filipino. Okay. So let's talk about that Filipino menu. Mm -hmm. um, what would what you typically serve? Um, adobo, okay. usually. Um, people, you know, a lot of people just ask for adobo. It's, it's the weirdest thing, because I'm like, you want me noodle? Because that's harder to make. I mean, mm -hmm. noodle, afritada, caldereta. Calderetas are always asked for. But those things... Um, I would I would certainly cook. Um, nothing I can't really cook every single Filipino dish, but I would definitely try. Okay, so let's let's talk about your adobo. Uh, do you, is it chicken or or, or pork? Both. You can both. Do, both. do both. Okay, and then um, do you, what type what what cut of pork do you use for your pork? Um, I use ribeye pork. Okay. Ribeye pork. Bite. And why? Because it's automatically soft. Okay. Have you ever had it? No. No? <laughs> That's it's, what I'm like wondering. Ribeye pork? Yeah. What it's, part of it? Okay. It's soft. Okay. If you actually read it, it's just, it just says ribeye pork. It has a good marbling of, of uh, pork, I'm sorry, fat in it already. Okay. And so the cooking time has lessened. Okay. So it's, that's the best thing that you could actually put in your Filipino, a lot of your Filipino dish because it's already the the fat content and then the meat content is just perfectly fine. I'm just now very intrigued like I really want to have yeah. that now yeah and then you know people like to have the bones in it okay so I, I do throw in some bone oh, not just bones but just like a regular pork chop okay it, just just to have it but um I try not to have that because you know I, I I have more American people that would come in here but they would ask for adobo because that's like I heard that's good I want adobo okay so uh, my adobo I'm married to an American man, so he likes his adobo with potatoes. So that's the way I make my, my uh, adobo. So how do you, do you cook the potatoes with the pork? No, do you, no. With... Everything, any, anytime I cook anything, I like to cook separately of everything. How do you cook the potatoes? I just let it boil on its own. And okay. then when it's, time to, when it's um, time to either, either service it, uh, meaning plate it, that's when you actually add the potatoes in. Because potatoes will will get that sauce already yeah so this way you keep the the taste of the potatoes, potatoes. separate mm -hmm. and then and the then you structure. have the pork yeah the structure mm -hmm. have you ever have you tried roasting the potatoes um it's gonna be completely different texture correct and I don't think people want to do that because to me adobo is soft okay. you want everything soft sure. like even down to your onions to be soft okay yep that makes sense. Yeah. How about your chicken? What cut 
of chicken do you use? I mean, I mean what, what chicken parts do you use? Do you use the whole, whole chicken or you stick with? No, I, I try not to use breast, but if okay. you ask for breast, I'll do it. Um, it's still, there is a certain way that I do my breasts also, and that will be a kept secret. Okay, sure. <laughs> but as so it'll be nice and um, soft when you, when you get it. But um, yeah, it's chicken thighs. Chicken thighs is what I use. I used to, I like, a, you know, for some reason, the drumstick is a lot better, tastes a lot better in that bowl. Mm -hmm. But it's just so much little bones in there that you really have to pick everything out. So I stick with the thighs, but okay. I think the best cut for a double would be the, the drumstick. But you cook it bone in or not? Uh, the thighs now I'm cooking, so no bone. Okay, no bone. So you, okay. Um, so you stick with primarily thighs then? Mm -hmm. Okay, yes. that makes sense. What about your other, I mean, you had mentioned uh, menudo and caldereta. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you like cooking more? Um, the caldereta, it's actually okay. easy because I use um, uh, beef tenderloin. Whoa. Yeah. I use beef tenderloin for caldereta? Yes. Okay. That is, I've never heard that. Typically you use like a chuck steak. Uh, and then that you tenderize because you cook it. You're supposed to simmer that for for quite a long time in the tomato sauce. Yes. That's how we make it, and yes. some people make it with brisket. So I have never heard that. So tenderloin. So um, I like quality meats. I like to eat that. Okay. Uh, at my home, we, we eat ribeye. We have beef tenderloin. Um, right now, I'm finding out like hanger. Steak hangers good. Hanger steak, okay. Um, uh, what do you call that? I haven't even used that one, but it's very similar to what is the other fajita meat? Like okay. That too. Um, yeah, like the course, skirt steak. Skirt steak. Fajita meat. Yeah, okay. Skirt steak. So yeah, those are the only meats that I actually use. I, I'm really, I am really, really intrigued. What's cooking time on that? Because it can't Cause be it's fast. Yeah, correct. super fast. That's one thing about me. I cook really fast. Okay, yes. so let me. Okay, I, 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 my mind is really blown right now. <laughs> I am thinking that did you do you just sear the meat and then? Yeah, you, you have to sear the meat to enclose yeah. everything. And then just cook it for a very short time in the tomato sauce just to get that so you flavor. Have, you know, your beef tenderloin will never harden, so. I usually just cook my, my cooking time for everything for that is about 45 minutes max. Okay. That includes the searing. That includes the searing. Yeah. Okay. Because you just want to brown the meat, uh, like make it all the way um, cooked inside. Yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking. So that doesn't overcook the meat? No. No. It was, I mean, I'm talking about making, what you call it, your tomatoes, your potatoes, that's for okay. everything. And of course, I will be cooking the potatoes separately at the time and then I. Like and, and then do you do you add, of course do you add the green pepper towards the end? Do you add yeah, it? The, okay. the green bell, the red bell, okay. the peas and carrots, very very last. Okay. I like my vegetables for crisp, nice crisp. Some of them have to be kind of soft. Do you add anything to the tomato sauce? Yeah, of course, tomato do you sauce. You add? I mean, no, no. I'm sorry. Do you, do you add any anything else to the tomato sauce to thicken it? Do you use a thickener? Um, do you use no. liver spread? Do you use liver? No, I don't use. I do use liver. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like real liver, and then just kind of try to mash it as much as I can. Okay. See, is it cooked before you mash it, or you? Oh, I mean, do you, you cook it then mash it? Yeah. Or like, okay. You saute it first. Yeah, saute mm -hmm. with the onions and then the garlic. Okay. By the way, if you if you're 
divulging any secrets. <laughs> no, I mean, everything okay. that you see um, on the recipes everywhere, I think it's just the way how people make it and then the quality of meat that they use and the quality of vegetables that they use okay. and how they prepare it. And then, let's see. And then, so I'm, I'm also going to ask you about your uh, afritada. Mm -hmm. So it's chicken afritada, right? Chicken afritada. And what I, I mean, um, it's pineapples. Okay. Right? <laughs> That's how I make my afritada. Really? <laughs> I've never had it with pineapple. And then let me ask this. Mm -hmm. Both? Okay. So both afritada and... Uh, and caldereta are tomato based, so yes. tomato sauce based. What's the difference between afritada and caldereta? These are pineapples. Afritada is more sweeter. It is sweeter. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's and then the caldereta is hardier and thicker, right? Yeah, a little bit more spicier. That's how I differentiate the two. It looks very similar. Uh, the vegetables look similar. It's just I use chicken to differentiate mm -hmm. that, and I use like crushed pineapples to help with the sauce to thicken it. Okay. As well, and then of course you add more pineapples. But for some reason, it's um, what's that? Nadudurug. <laughs> oh, the the pineapple. Yeah, the the regular mm -hmm. chunk because I use fresh pineapples. I don't use okay. So yeah. Is it because of the cooking time? Yeah. You, you add them fairly early in the cooking process. Yeah, because I want to. I don't add any more sugar because it sweetens that naturally. Okay. So. I'm just wondering if, if it's better for you to just blend it in after, I mean, when it's, after it's cooked so that, and, and then you add more chunks. Um, okay. Yeah, I've done that. I, I, that's why I started using, I used to have put a lot more pineapples in it, but I, I started using um, the crushed pineapples um, and that actually thickened and made it sweeter. But, and then I added my pineapples maybe another 10 minutes after that. Okay. It just... It's not as I how I want it to be. It's a bit thicker. Okay, and you also mentioned menudo, which is also tomato based. So what makes menudo that different? That one is not so much tomato based. Um, one, um, it has a little bit of tomato paste. Okay. It has tomato paste, but the other one's more saucy, like thick and saucy. Okay. Uh, to me, a menudo is just it's more. To me, that thing is just too sweet. It's too sweet, but that's just my favorite dish to make. Okay. I mean, to eat. That's my okay. my family's favorite dish. But I don't put a lot of tomato sauce in it. I just use a tomato paste and I just add a little bit of water. And I don't um, add any more tomato sauce or anything like that. This is a vinegar that actually, mm, okay. for me, is okay. what it helps with. Yeah, because I add tomato paste and tomato sauce. And I use, uh, I only use, so it's, it's pork. Yeah. Uh, and I use pork shoulder, kind of diced. Pork shoulder is what I use. Yeah, and I've, I've had like I've tried the one that they've been doing the parmesan in it. I don't get that. You don't get that. I don't get that. Yeah. Well, people add the cheese to the caldereta, not not so I don't. Oh, okay. I've never heard it on the menudo. Oh, okay, someone uh, someone has showed me that. And I said, but it's I tried it. And I said, Oh, it's for a thickener. Okay. Yeah, it's a I get thickener. it now. Um, yeah, and we typically do that for the or it's a nice little like to shred the cheese. On top of the caldereta, it just gives it a little bit of color. Oh, okay. I've never put cheese in my caldereta. Yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I, I think that's cheating. <laughs> so, exactly. I like, yeah. Do you, have you, do you make caldereta at all? No. No? That okay. is my oldest daughter's favorite, but no. Is that something that you... It's something it? that I don't like to eat. 
you don't like to eat that? Okay. I don't. I don't. Um, anything I don't like to eat, I will never make. Okay, that's my one of my <laughs> favorites. However, I can't make it when I have family when we have family gatherings. I have, I have family that come in from out of town, but I can't make uh, the kare kare because uh, most of the kids are allergic to peanuts. Oh, yeah. So wow. no kare kare for them. Uh, that, that's unfortunate. Um, okay, so we talked a lot about your entrees. Wonderful. Uh, thank you for for going into that detail. Do you, do you make any desserts? I do. Right now I'm learning um, more and more. So I've actually, I perfected my mocha rolls, but I need to stop calling that mocha roll. I'm making it coffee right now, coffee roll. Okay. But er everything I've seen, they don't really put chocolate. Like a lot of Filipino uh, recipes don't really put chocolate. It's just coffee. Yeah. Okay. So I, so I don't know. So a mocha roll is, uh, Coffee roll is, is is what? Well, the recipes that I've seen, um, they don't use the chocolate mixed in with the coffee. Mm -hmm. It's just all coffee. Okay. So I, I just never understood. So a lot of my, um, I call it my mocha roll because it's exactly what the recipe says. But um, the way I make it, it's just a lot more creamier, cream, so to get rid of that coffee taste to it. So um, I will be making, I will have mocha roll correctly with the, with the chocolate. And I do have coffee rolls. My ube roll is the bomb. Um, okay, let's talk about the ube roll. Yeah. So the ube roll is uh, ube halaya, mm -hmm. and then of course your sweet cream, and you just let it um, uh, um, hollow. <laughs> Mix it really well for maybe about thirty minutes on its own in the in the blender, but slowly. You don't know, put it in the actual you know food blender. What do you call that? The, a food processor? There you go. Okay. <laughs> I, can't, I can't think right now. <laughs> that's all right. Um, but yeah, um, that's what I do. And then we have to have the right sweetness. You have to right, have to have the right um, texture for it. And um, I, I found now um, the heavy, uh, the, the the thicker it is in the mocha roll, it's it just tastes like ice cream. Oh. Yeah, it tastes just like ice cream when you actually slice it. So um, that's the first thing that goes when I when I create it, and okay. I've gotten people to. I have asked a lot of people, you know, which ones they, what they like, but that was their most favorite. And then the, and then that. But I actually like my um, the best for me. What I like was my my matcha. Okay, that and then what really your matcha? What, what is that? It's just organic matcha, um, you know, matcha powder. Okay. And. And you just put cream and okay. light, light, uh, light sugar. Yeah, powder sugar. Okay. And you just have to make sure it's the right taste. Cause I don't, I don't measure ever. I measure with my hands. <laughs> okay, so everything that you're saying here is completely different from what I'm used to. Typically, baker, when it comes to desserts, everything is like very scientific. Cause you know you're off by one gram. It's misses the recipe up completely right. is what I've been told yes. I'm not a baker no it's true it's true but if you I feel that if you keep making it making it making it you know that it's, you know it's measuring yeah. just like my tummy saw I don't okay. measure I don't measure uh, the only you measure thing with your eyes I, the only thing I measure is um, how many grams of sugar, uh, flour okay and the sugar because okay. that would mess up with your with your yeast 
So okay. I do measure that. Yes. Yes, I have to stand measure up. The only thing I, I don't measure is salt in that okay. one. So if you were to pick a signature, okay, so, so this is wide open. If you were to pick what you think is, what is your signature dish? Like, what are you most known for? My signature dish. I am known to cook really, really great fish. <laughs> like how, okay, so how do you prepare your fish? I love like crispy whole fish. That is my, it's a, okay, such so. a beautiful presentation simple to make but I think not a lot of people know how to cook fish that's what makes me just enjoy cooking fish okay Either so day. so you, you you deep fry it yes I deep fry okay. it okay what type of fish do you use uh, usually I use our red snapper okay or any really any kind of fish I love um Chilean sea bass to work with uh but yeah usually a red snapper if you have a beautiful presentation but Chilean sea bass is another another okay. way of cooking so you don't fry that though I, uh, yeah, you can fry it, but usually I grill it first okay, and then I put it in the oven. But yeah, crispy whole fish is my favorite thing to yeah. make. Yeah. And then you, do you make that with any kind of like a sweet sour sauce or what, what, do you pair that with any sauce? It's just, you know, what's, whatever's in my mood for that day. Sometimes okay. it's just like what you said, sweet and sour sauce. But um, maybe my, I guess my favorite dish to make is really omelet, torta omelet. Uh, so, torta, what do you call that? Um, eggplant. Oh, uh, right. So do you roast the eggplant first? I roast the eggplant and then I, um, the, the egg, put a little bit of fish sauce in it, oh. put a little bit of water, just a little bit of water. What, why, why the water? I'm curious. Um, it kind of loosens everything. It doesn't, when you, when you, when you cook your egg, it just kind of like, it just, it, it tastes so thick and it's so... Okay. So, so, so do you beat the water in the, the, yeah. in the egg? Okay, yeah. I got you. Yeah, because my wife does the same thing. And then uh, when you roast the eggplant, mm -hmm. right, is the skin a little bit crusty, yeah. a little burnt, burnt? I love it burnt, yeah. Do you take the skin out? No. I love you. I'm like, yeah. you are the only other person that doesn't take the skin out. when. when okay. That's the best, that's the best part. Yep. I mean, that's what I think. When people tell me, like, can you, I'm like, I'll do that for the Japanese eggplant, but not Chinese eggplant. Yeah, Why? that's because what I'm all the flavor is. All the flavor, the, the color, the presentation and that. I get I don't a get blackbird <laughs> where the birds Why? Why don't you take the skin out? Because that's the best part. I like yeah, I won't the take char. It yeah, perfect. I, I do have okay. one client that asked me to take it out, but I'll do it for her, but I don't think so. All right, awesome. You and me. <laughs> okay, um, so... Um, Thank you for uh, talking about your, your dishes. Now I want to go back, now to go to like a little bit more serious, like talk about the challenges. Um, right? Currently? <laughs> currently. Well, let's let's see. Uh, you opened during, you opened this during COVID, COVID right? Correct. So how were you affected by COVID? You know, I was affected um, maybe a few months. And then because I deal with a lot of medical offices, but they have to eat. Right. So what okay. happened was I actually started getting small offices and huge offices. I started getting hospitals. Because I was getting um, medical little clinics before, mm -hmm. like 20 to 30 people. <clears throat> and then um, when COVID happened, hospitals are the only ones open. So they're looking for caterers that are willing to deliver. And mm, I said, I will deliver. So I would see about 50 to 100 people uh, for catering, individual plates. That was the only thing 
that was a big challenge for that is we were running out of stuff okay and i always talk to my reps and i let them know this is what's happening you know you know we're short if i come up with um, a different kind of packaging it's just going to be like that is that okay so i try to make everything look the same okay but the biggest challenges was getting uh, my packages in um, the food was fine we had plenty of food mm -hmm. at that time um of course it's the they limited on the chicken they limited so i would have to um i don't buy a lot huge bulk so i don't at that time i don't have i only have one freezer and then um I didn't have a fridge, like a huge fridge. I just had one fridge, one freezer. So I would shop every day. Okay. So um, I pre-plan everything. And if I know that I'm gonna have a lot of chicken, I have to go to different HEBs or different places, Costco or Sam's Club, and then buy, just buy all week. Okay. So with with the buy with the uh, so you go to all of these different stores just to get the the best deals. No, That's I get it. I go there just to get. Um, the best deal is going to Cisco, okay. going to Restaurant Depot. I don't, I honestly do not like to go there. Why? Because their products, um, you have to, there's a lot of labor work in doing that product. And I, I'm, uh, I like to have my meat already clean for me and taking all the, the best, uh, all the, like, all the fat around it. Mm -hmm. um, same thing with my, my beef tenderloin. Um, I don't even buy it there because it has so much trimmings that um, they need to remove. So I actually okay. go to HB and just pay the price. Okay. Just have it, the, the butcher yeah. take care of it. It's already of there and yeah. it's beautiful. And it's actually at that time, prices of the beef wasn't that expensive. Okay. Well, but that, that makes sense though because if they do it for you, yeah. it's probably cheaper than if you have to do it and then spend time that you could be doing something else that's Correct. more productive and yeah. more. Okay. And then uh, that makes sense. <laughs> and then, so one of the other one of the other themes that challenges that comes up with with restaurants is labor shortage. Mm -hmm. Are you are you affected by that nope. at all? No, nope? I'm okay. not because um, in the very beginning I did this by myself, and if I cannot do it, I just tell my reps I'm like I can't. There's nothing that I, I mean I, I have too much, okay. and they know that. They rather be. They're rather he tell them that I don't, you know, I, I can't do that much delivery because at that time I was doing about six to eight deliveries and I cut it down to five, okay. five to six. Okay. Max. But then what about that delivery? Do they pick it up? The, the no. pick it up or you have to deliver it I to deliver them? everything. So I had, um, you know, people stayed home. So I had uh, people okay. wanting to have little side jobs to, so they would deliver. They would come pick it up and then deliver. Okay. And I still do the same thing. Um, how is the inflation affecting your business? It's definitely affecting me because the reps right now are asking to be the same price because they're going to other places and charging them, you know, twenty twenty five dollars per person. So I have very loyal uh, reps with me. I stayed at the same price. What I have, I'm not making as much money as before. But I know inflation, you know, is more about loyalty and relationship with with my client. Okay. And um, if I can't do it anymore, I'll let them know. Okay. But I create the menus anyways. So, um, honest, honestly, they order from me every day. Okay. Same people. And a lot okay. of people have lost their jobs. Uh, a lot of reps. I used to have 60 reps. And then, and from that 60 reps, I would get, you know, uh, every day, 
you know, six to ten people asking for me to deliver. Mm. So from that, you know, down to four to five, that would just be always mm. okay. asking me to deliver. Okay, so you have, you have to absorb. I have to absorb a lot of things that they have, but um, they work with me as long as they work with me. They'll, you know, I've increased it a little bit because sometimes they want. Now it's not a huge deal right now. They want packaging, so packaging is costing so much. Packaging meaning they want everything individual, even utensils. Mm -hmm. They want everything all packaged separately. That's what's costing a lot. The food, vegetables, the chicken. Yeah, it's it's inflated, but if you could create other kind of different dishes that you can make to make it big and look big and taste good, then then that would be such a big deal. But what's costing with my, in my business catering is the packages. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Because just for safety, right? You need, you can't be sharing and then everything has to be prepackaged and then this way everybody has individual, everything's individual. So is the packaging like cost, is that driven up by, you think by the, the supply chain oh, yeah. problems? Okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, it's costing me a dollar per person just to have a packaging complete for them. Okay. And that was never ever an issue before because everything was the base style before. Yeah. But now it's just costing. costing Do you think it'll ever get back to that point where it's buffet style? Yeah, it's actually back to that point, but there okay. are certain offices that are big okay. that they can't really eat together that much, so they have to okay. get somewhere else. If it's that, a small office, they won't be a big deal for them. Okay. And then are there any other challenges that you are going through that some people may not know besides the, you know, the labor and the COVID and the inflation? Um, of course, I'm not well known. And uh, I don't do that much advertising because my, my biggest challenge is um, to the Cha'a Tea House that I opened it and, and then having catering also. <clears throat> Dividing my time into two is just, is just a lot. And, but now having someone else cook and then I can focus more on the tea, okay. that, that was my biggest challenge. But now my next challenge is I need to get busier so I can hire more people. You know, okay. I, I've always felt that if you have a good product and you're a good person, people will come to you. I, I never worry about labor. I mm -hmm. always find people without even asking. They come to me. Okay. So, and, and uh, I'm a worker. So I show people how I work and I expect them to, to work the same way. Okay. Sure. Um, so I wanted to talk now about what's... What are your plans for for the year for not for the rest of your for, for the next twelve months? Next twelve months, wow! I, I have lots of plans, but um, it's just a plan. Okay. Uh, plan is government contracts. Okay. And um, so I'm gonna start with school first, which I already have one, and um, city contracts. So I'm actually gonna be signing. I've already signed for the government contract, but I'm still learning everything. I don't want to get any contracts right now but I want to I want to network I want to know people and then learn so they have a, a mentor a protege program with the SBA okay. so that's what I'm kind of looking at right now but I, I thought they were gonna partner up so I have to find someone to to help me get within that 
format, or I could do it on my own. Okay. So um, that is for the catering side. For the Cha'a Tea House, I plan to open another one next year. Okay. Another location, but more of a, this is more of my test kitchen, per se, for the Cha'a Tea House. Um, I'm going to be creating different kind of desserts. Um, not a lot, but just different, always. We're always making some kind of desserts. But in the other, the other one, uh, the Cha Tea House, um, I'm still looking for the right location for it, but it's gonna be a really tiny place offering more of the same tea, but more of a to-go, more of, you know. Okay. Do you think, uh, would you ever consider a food truck? A food truck is very, uh, it's, it's, a lot, it's a lot more work than people could think. You think, mm -hmm. um, I think food truck is the hardest thing you could ever, ever have. Why? Because it's such a small space and people want their food right away. And they don't realize that I'm limited, you would be limited to the water that you use, to the propane that you have, and you know, I could never do a food truck, but I would do a food truck and catering. Okay. That would be it. Yeah, I've interviewed uh, quite a few food trucks and everybody tells me the same thing about that they didn't realize, realize how hard it was and all the challenges, um, they have more challenges than the restaurants because if you run out of something, if you're on location, if you run out of something, you're shut down. Yeah, and then nowadays, uh, I've, I've read a lot about that as far as legality with um, health department. They, you know, it's the same thing. They have to have a, I forgot what they're called, but they have to have a, pretty much a base where they have to prep their, their food and they have to, uh, the correct refrigeration. So a restaurant, mm -hmm. you should always, yeah, you should always, uh, if somebody still wants a food truck, um, I mean, honestly, Kaina is doing, I think Kaina yep. is doing great. I mean, how they started, I'm very amazed how, how Angela did it. Yep. And my family, right? Is yep. what that's exactly has. what happened. So yeah. that's amazing. And I give her lots of props for that because family is a big deal and they will never leave you. Yeah. I was there when she started. She didn't have a food truck. She had a truck that was serving food. That's awesome. And then she just evolved from there. Like every week so she would go to these uh, pop-up restaurants, mm -hmm. pop I mean the pop-up uh, uh, markets, mm -hmm. right? And every month she would do something and she would learn and then she would apply her lesson the next month to the next month to the next month then they got a food truck then they had the restaurant then they would move to a bigger restaurant so yeah she's uh, she's amazing um, you know i met her at my first restaurant oh because when i sat down at her restaurant i didn't know who the owner was yeah. she's like sb <laughs> she's like i still remember yeah. your pad thai and i'm like oh <laughs> i don't make those anymore and then the other thing that I, uh, I, I want to go back to the food truck, and when, uh, I did an interview with uh, Paul Ovis, he has a food truck called the Manila Shack, and I asked him uh, what was one of the challenges for um, a food truck is, and he mentioned that warranties for food, for, for equipment on the restaurant is typically 12 months. Warranties, if it's on the food truck, it's 30 days. Oh. And they said it's just because of the risk. There's a lot more risk in a food truck. There's, it's, it's more susceptible to damage, to vandalism. So 
it goes from 12 months to 30, yeah. 30 days, same price, right? But if you're on the food truck, it's a lot more risk. Yeah, it's, it's just a lot more um, rules now than it was before. Yeah. I mean, everybody wanted the food truck back then, but when the city catch on to what was going on with the food truck, a phenomenon, mm -hmm. you know, that happened in Austin and started happening downtown, that's when they started regulating a lot more rules. Yeah, um, well, because there's also, they don't really pay as much taxes, right? Or they don't really. Um, I think the licensing is going to be a little bit different, oh, okay. and, then, and then also, you know, you, you're not renting a space, yeah. so you employ less people. You employ, so it's it's, it's yeah. it seems like it's less dollars. It's definitely less dollars for me. That was my biggest thing here with the space. I wanted to have a great location um, where I could drive. You know, have a great location as far as I like, get into 21 to 1604, and I'm already pretty much at Stone Oak, so all, I beat all the traffic already. So that was my biggest concern. But if you keep it small, keep your menu small, and uh, think about your location, doesn't matter if it's a bad location as far as being seen, wh whatever you're supposed to do. And it just so happens I got great location. I think I'm great. <laughs> well, very, this um, is great. This is very awesome. Very visible. Yeah. Um, and this this area, you know, they don't have anything like this. And yeah. I'm right beside Dashi. So. Yeah, I've <laughs> never been there. I wanted I wanted to check Dashi that out. brings in my people from Stone Oak to do from New Braunfels to Alam. I just met one today. They wanted some tea. Was okay. knocking on my door. Alamo Ranch. Is that what it's called? Alamo Ranch. Mm -hmm. Alamo Ranch. Yep. They wanted to come eat, but they weren't ready. Okay. So they were knocking on my door for me at the tea and I said, sure. So now I got new clients to come here. Well, next time, hopefully. <laughs> okay. Okay, so let's see. I think that's it for the for so we talked about your vision, you talked we talked about your expansion. So now it's time for the lightning round. Uh -huh. So what this is, you're gonna be asked up to twenty questions, so you will have to answer in less than ninety seconds. Okay, so it's going to be, don't worry, don't freak out. It's going to be, uh, I'm going to ask a question. It's going to be, and then you're just going to answer the first thing that comes to mind. Okay? And the time starts now. Pancit bihon versus pancit palabo. Palabo. Chicken adobo versus pork adobo. Pork adobo. Breakfast food versus over dinner food. Breakfast food. What's your favorite pizza topping? Salami. If you could pay someone to do one of your chores, which would it be? Washing dishes. Oh no, toilet. <laughs> Good answer. Favorite non-Filipino restaurant? Italian. Favorite, favorite Filipino restaurant that is not yours? Um, Lily's. Top silog versus long silog? Top silog. What is your favorite holiday? Thanksgiving. What was your first job? A dishwasher. What's the first concert you ever attended? I never. <laughs> Name a person who inspires you. A hard working woman. Name to a person, an actual name? Yep. Oh, my mom. To you, what's the best age to be? 40. Name a song that makes you happy. Happy. <laughs> what do you impulse buy most often at the store? Oh, plates. Sleep on the right side or the left side of the bed? On the right side. What is your zodiac sign? I'm a Scorpio. Are you more analytical or creative? I'm creative. 
go forward in time or go back in time? I'm always forward. Here. You did really well on the lightning round. You actually went, got through all of them in 90 <laughs> seconds. Your first one that got through in 90 seconds. People <laughs> usually get hung up, so congratulations. Um, what's the best way to reach you? Um, reaching me is through email or calling me by text. Okay. Text is the best. Okay, and then we'll have all that information on the podcast notes. Okay. 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 Yeah. So thank you so much, Espy. Yeah. This, this was is fun. fun. This yeah. was a lot of fun. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening to Turu Turo, the Filipino restaurant podcast. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Salamat po at magkita tayo sa susunod. Thank you so much and I'll see you in the next episode.